And there is nothing that holds more value than does the Lord Jesus Christ. I would rather have Jesus than anything this world can afford. That is the truth. All right. Hey, it's good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming out on this um, liquid sunshiny um, uh, Wednesday night. All of a sudden, the week is finished, or the revival part of the week is finished, as far as our services are concerned. And anticipating to see what the Lord is going to do tonight, and then as a result of this week, in your hearts and through your hearts. Gents, I'm getting a little bit of a ringing up here. I don't know if it's uh, just through the monitor or if it's out there as well. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, uh, Miss Britt, you ready? All right, let me dismiss all those kiddos who are four years old up to the third grade by your leave mom and dad. You can be dismissed out with Miss Brittany up here, and they will head over to the fellowship hall. Check that man's ID. <laughs> Pretty sure, not third grade. Hey, we have enjoyed being able to be with you this week, and I mean, I mean that sincerely. Um, it wouldn't surprise you. Hey, all right. <laughs> See you later. Have fun. I know. It's great. I love it, too. <laughs> Last call. Last call, anybody? All right. <laughs> oh, he's just coming up one row. Okay. Hey, uh, it wouldn't surprise you that I would say on a regular basis when we've been at a church that we enjoy being there. We do. Anytime I have the opportunity to preach the gospel, then I count it a great privilege. Um, but, and this is, this is the truth, in sincerity, there are um, some churches that we really anticipate being able to go to. And uh, for years now, First Baptist Church Orlando Lakes is one of those. We uh, are thankful, we're grateful for the friendships that we have here, those that we've been friends with for a number of years, and those who were acquaintances last time, and the friendship builds, and those who we have been acquainted with now this time, and I trust in the future we'll be able to continue to forge a friendship, a, a continuing relationship, just anticipating seeing what God is going to do um, in this church and then through this church. You, you know, you know that you're planted here for a reason, that is, that you individually live in this area for a purpose, and that First Baptist Church of Land Lakes is, is where it is, that, that the building exists and you're gathering together is where it is. Um, God has a purpose and a plan, and his purpose and plan involves you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord continues to do through this ministry here. So um, for all of, from us, all of us, to all of you, um, thanks kindly for your kindness to us over the years, and thank you for your kindness to us this week, and we've enjoyed it. And then, um, just a real quick special thank you to a couple groups of people, and I'm certain that I will, I will forget or will not think of certain groups of people that make certain things possible, um, but let me just mention a couple. Firstly, all those who have been involved in nursery, in that ministry this week, very grateful for your ministry um, and the effort that goes into, and you come uh, perhaps from work tired already, and then you get to enjoy the energy of ones who don't seem to ever get tired, and so grateful for that. For those who are a part of the choir this week, wasn't the choir enjoyable? I mean, it's, it, it's different because they're learning a new song every day, and they have to learn in 25 minutes a song, so it's, it's different than maybe what the First Baptist Church of Land Lakes Choir typically is. Um, but it's fun and enjoyable, and it added a lot 
to the service and sincerity. I enjoy it. My heart was blessed, not only because of um, seeing you sing, but the songs that were sung and the spirit with, with which they were sung as well. So thank you to those of you who had a part in that. For those who helped with meals this week, we enjoyed really great food this week. And so thank you for those of you who had a part in that. And then um, for those who have given um, so that we can continue doing what it is that God has called us to do. Um, thank and sincerely, God has always taken really good care of us, and he does it through people like you. And so um, I'm, I'm honored, um, flattered, almost embarrassed that, that people would consider um, supporting so that we can continue to do what it is that God has called us to do. So thanks very, very much. And I'm sure there's somebody else or another group. Of course, I thanked Pastor already for inviting us, but we're grateful for the pastoral staff and for Pastor Peterson in particular. Pastor, how many years have you pastored here? 43 years. That's, that is um, really unusual and really something. Thank, you ought to thank God. I hope you do. Thank God that you have a pastor who is willing to continue to shepherd and to teach and to preach and to um, cry and to love and to care, both pastor and Mrs. Peterson, and then a number of the staff who have been years here, a number of years who have just consistently served and so very grateful for um, how God has used them and will continue to over the next several years. Okay. All right. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter. Can we please? And we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. First Peter chapter number 2. And in just a minute, we're going to look at uh, one verse out of this passage. And it's a great verse. First Peter chapter number 2. While you're finding your place, let me just um, also, because I forgot to do this last night, and Pastor had me do it at the end of the service. But there's a table, a resource table. This side of the auditorium in the back has books and music back there. There are several books back there. I'd highly encourage you to look through the subject matter. The books we carry are books that have been a help to us or a help to people that we know. And we carry the ones we carry on, on purpose. There's a book that is new to us back there. In fact, I haven't even gotten to read it um, completely yet. But I know the people that wrote it and those that read it and said, yeah, this is helpful. And it deals with, um, it deals with depression and how we ought to think through it and how the church can help people who are going through that. Some, sometimes sometimes um, people go through things and if we, don't un, if we don't understand it or we've not experienced ourselves, it's almost like we just go hands off because, well, oh, mercy, I didn't break anything, um, because we don't, we, don't know what to, we, don't know what to, we don't know what to do. And so we just, it's almost a taboo thing, but, but it's a, a real thing. In fact, this morning to the teenagers, to the high schoolers, I dealt with the matter from the scripture about um, depression because... Even young people are dealing with it now. And you may say, well, that just seems awful rampant. Well, it may be, but it is what it is. And so God does still have the answer. He is still the answer. So there are truths from the scripture. So that, that book is back there. I'd encourage it not only if you deal with it yourself, but just as a good read so that you can be familiar with what the Bible has to say about it. Another book back there entitled Settled and Strong, subtitled What It Takes to Have Assurance of Salvation. It just deals with living with confidence regarding your um, salvation. That's a good book to have and to have as a resource as well. Number, a number of them back there. If you have questions about it, then stop by and feel free to ask questions. All right. 
All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2, and let's look together at verse number 24. Verse number 24, this is a great verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. If you're physically able, would you mind standing with me to show public respect for the scriptures? The Bible says this. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Let me read verse 25. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, as we come to this passage, would you please help me to be able to clearly explain what it is that you have said here and, and also to be able to explain why you said what you said. Help us to see the truth. Help us to see the context of it. Let, let this please sink in, Father, so that when the day comes in our lives individually or in this church as a whole, when this truth is necessary, when we will have to live it, may it be so ingrained in our hearts and minds that our decisions will already be made. Help us, Lord, please, and help me, please. In the name of Jesus, again, I ask. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. I will tell you in looking at what we're about to look at that I'd come into this service with a little bit of uh, fear and trepidation, in part because of the somberness of the truth of what we're going to look at. Now, the verse, 1 Peter 2.24, is all by itself a, a great verse, a tremendous verse. In fact, in fact, if we were, uh, if we were in a uh, tent-style meeting and uh, maybe the group were in a habit of being a little bit more demonstrative, a little bit louder, because most of you are from the north, I know that. You, you came to the south, but the, the true southerners who are a little more demonstrative in their responses to things, and reading a verse like 1 Peter 2.24, you almost can't help it. I'm confident you do in your heart because I heard some of you verbalize it. When you read 1 Peter 2.24, you can't help but, but in your heart say, Amen and Amen. Thank God. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the verse again says, Who bear in his own body, 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. In essence, 1 Peter 2.24 is making this statement that Christ died for our sins. And I love this truth. And especially, now stay with me, especially the nuance that God inspired Peter to write here. Because God is writing through Peter to a group of people, um, Jewish and non-Jewish believers, but it seems to have a little bit of a bend towards the Jewish believers. Certainly people that were familiar with the sacrificial system. Both the Jews and other nations who worshiped many other gods used sacrifices in their religion, in their worship. 
and specifically with the Jews, the promise of God that came from the beginning. And we talked about this a little bit last night after looking at Matthew chapter 22. That, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was pictured all the way through the Old Testament as sacrifices were made on the altar by the high priest on behalf of the people of Israel to... Uh, to cover the sins. Now, the blood of the animal, the blood of the goats and the bulls could never pay for the sins of the people, but it was in essence a picture of someone who was going to come someday and was going to be the sacrifice who could in himself bear the sins of people in his own body. So it is to this group of people who understood all of that that Peter reminds them that the sacrifices of animals and the religions that involve sacrifices of animals or certainly humans, all of that is done and in the past. Why? Because there is a Savior who in his own body bare my sin and your sin when he died on the tree so that we might be freed from the sins and now live unto righteousness because by Christ's stripes we are healed. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Christ died for our sins. But 1 Peter 2.24 is not a verse all by itself in the Bible. Now, it's a great verse. But 1 Peter 2.24 is in the Bible for a reason. Because surrounding this verse, and specifically leading up to this verse, there, stay with me, there is a, a train of, of thought. There is information and specifically instruction given that leads to Peter, who's led by the Holy Spirit to do so, to end his conversation, his teaching with the truth that Christ bare our sins in his body when he died on the, on the tree. Your understanding of any verse always increases when you understand it in its, um, in its context. If I use that word, do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, not just what is said, but why it is said. This is, this is true in any area of life. Um, okay, our family has a series of DVDs at home. They're a documentary. And it's all about different places and different groups of animal all over the world. And the videography is absolutely phenomenal. It's incredible. The information is great. Now, they come from the, from the point of view of evolution, which in our family and from the scriptures, obviously, we know is not true. And so in our family, we just, whenever millions of years come up, we just go, ha, 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 no, 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 no. But we watch it because of the videography and because of the beauty. And one of, one of, the, one of the sections in this DVD shows 
the video is, is keyed in on a bird, a white bird, and it's just flying through the air. And you can kind of see, as you're watching this bird fly, you'll see other birds behind it. And while you're watching this bird fly around, the narrator begins to describe this bird and uh, a couple things about it and how it makes its flights and what its migration courses are and a couple different things. And as the narrator speaks, the zoom lens of the camera begins to zoom out. And you realize as the zoom continues to zoom out that this is not a story about a bird or a few birds. But as the zoom lens continues out, you realize that this is literally hundreds of thousands of birds that all fly in this mass migration. The point is, when the lens zooms out, you go, oh. This has greater significance than what I realized when I first started watching this. And the same thing is true when it comes to the Bible. When you read a verse, thank God for a truth that you get in the verse. Especially one like 1 Peter 2.24. But 1 Peter 2.24 is in the Bible for a reason. And when you zoom out a little bit, you'll see what it is. We, we talk about context. I, I have a friend um, who has a coffee mug. I may have shared this with you before. A coffee mug. That On the coffee mug, it says, I can do all things. Bottom. Through a verse out of context. <laughs> Meaning, you can take any verse and make it say something that God never intended for it to say. But the power of God in his word is not only on what he says, but it's on what he means when he says that. So I want to show you why 1 Peter 2.24 is in the Bible. And this is the part where I step into this and I go, okay, church, it may not be today or tomorrow, but soon. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but soon, if you and I are not fully persuaded in regards to what Peter is explaining in this passage. If we're not already decided, determined, and have our feet firmly planted in what is taught here, then there's coming a day soon when we'll be in trouble. So I think it's very valuable that we take a minute. Let me show you what Peter is saying. It seems obvious to me from just reading through this passage that Peter is concerned about the people to whom he's writing. He's writing to believers and he seems to be concerned that these believers are living in a society that has, that really doesn't want anything to do with God at all. Not only that, but it's almost like the society in which they live um, looks on the believers, on the Christians with disdain. And it's not so much disdain because, well, they're righteous and we're not. It's more like disdain, like the, the believers, the Christians, weren't, weren't doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They had some misconceptions 
about what they had in Jesus Christ and what it meant for their lives personally and how they ought to live because of what they have in Christ and who they are in Jesus Christ. Look, look back at verse number 17, would you please? This is 1 Peter chapter 2, and go back to verse number 17. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, back to verse number 11 because this is where the conversation starts. Back to verse number 11. Here Peter says, Dearly beloved, Believers, Christians, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Listen to what he says. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation, give me the synonym, your manner of living, your lifestyle, having your lifestyle, your manner of living, having your conversation honest, that is good among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, stop thus far and look up this way, would you please? In essence, up to this point, what Peter is saying to this group of believers is this. Hey, look, in the, in the place where you live, wherever it is that you live, in the society in which you live, you make sure that you abstain from fleshly lust. Stay away from things that are sexually impure. Stay away from things that are anti-God and everybody knows they're anti-God. Stay away from things that are wicked. Abstain from that. Why? Because the people around you right now are pointing to you as evildoers, but it would be a lot better if when they look at you... They see people whose lives, their lifestyle, their manner of living is good. It's good. So, and all this makes sense to us. In other words, don't be involved in things that are wicked because, he says here, there's coming a day when God is going to visit. Specifically, he's speaking of the day of visitation like when God the Holy Spirit convinces people who are outside of Christ of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And immediately, they begin to look for believers that are around them. And so they need to see you and see a people whose lives match that of God. So stay away from things that are wicked, certainly. And then he continues. Verse number 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by the king for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Verse 15. For so is the, give me the next three words please. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, ah, but not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but instead as the servants of God. Verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Okay, stop just for a second. So in the verses that we just read, as Peter is addressing a group of people who live in a society where he's concerned that their lives would be an accurate representation of God, he begins by saying, stay away from sinful things, certainly impurities, stay away from that because God's going to visit the people around you someday. God is going to convince them of their need and they're going to see you 
and they're going to, in essence, judge God by your life. So stay away from wickedness. And then, in the next several verses, he begins to deal with something that's a little touchier. Staying away from wickedness, no problem. I mean, not that it's no problem, but I get it. But, my responsibility before the governmental authorities in my life and look and see how he describes it. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for whose sake? Yeah. If it's to the king or the governors, because governors punish evildoers and praise them that do well, for it's the will of, of God that you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay, stop for a second. Let me ask you a question. Now, specifically here, Peter, when he's talking about the, putting to silence the ignorance of foolish men, he's talking about the people who point at Christians and say, hey, you guys aren't doing right, but if you're doing right, then that, that puts them to silence. But also connected to this certainly can be the ignorance of foolish men, even when it comes, even when it comes to governmental authorities. Hey, let me ask you a question. In the last five years, has there anything come down the pike from governmental authorities that you thought was foolish? <laughs> or ignorant? Seriously. Has, has there been anything that when you looked at it, you thought a 10-year-old can see through this? Seriously, that, that's the ordinance, that's the mandate that you're handing. And here's what's even more. Later on in the verses that we read, the Bible says you're supposed to do this as someone who is free. What's that about? What is that freedom about? Well, Peter's drawing your attention to the truth that when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, you become in this world free from all other authority. Ultimately, your authority is to God. That is, while I thank God for the United States of America, and on a regular basis, along with my children in school, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and I'm grateful for the freedoms we have enjoyed. I am first and foremost a child of and a resident of a kingdom that is higher than the United States of America. And I serve a God who is the high king over all other rulers. So because he is my ultimate king, there is a sense that when it comes to the one directly above me, because my allegiance is to him, then I'm, I'm free from this. I get to live in the knowledge and understanding that come to those who know God. 
because I know God, of course my eyes are going to be open to the foolishness of things around me. Of course I don't have to live my life bound by the fear that other people dwell in because I belong to him. So yeah, there's going to be some foolish and ignorant things. And I'm free from it. But Peter says, now you listen, church. There is something more important than the freedom you have because God is your king. And it is this, that when God visits the people who need him desperately, that your life not be what hinders them from being able to come to him. That they don't point at you and say, you're, you're living your life in such a way that there's no way I would want to go to God. To the degree, listen, to the degree that I give up my freedom to do the things I could and live above the foolishness and I submit myself to the ordinance of man. Why? Because it's smart? Uh-uh. Because there's a reason that's more valuable. And I will tell you, in the last four or five years, I've had times where on the inside of me, I've had some... Come on. I'm about to go back to Michigan and join the militia. No, I'm just kidding. But it kind of, it kind of feels that way. Some, okay, stay with me. And please think biblically about this. And sometimes we as believers shout more about our right to bear our arms than we do thinking through making certain that there's nothing in my life that's going to be a hindrance to someone coming to God by the choices that I make in my freedom. Unless you think I'm taking this out of context, look Look at what he says, verse 18, verse 17 again. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, not, not just governmental authority, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the, next word please, the forward, the ones who aren't kind. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward whom? Okay, a conscience toward God. Because of my uh, love for and because of what God wants me to do. If, if man with a conscience toward God endure grief, suffering. Next word. Oh. For what glory is it? Is if when you're buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. But if when you do well, when you're doing right and you suffer for it, you take that patiently, that's acceptable with God. For even hereunto, this is what you're called to. Now look, because Christ 
also suffered for us. Leaving us, and next word, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, Christ didn't. Neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile again. When he suffered, he didn't beat his chest and threaten back. But he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins because of what he had done, should live unto righteousness, were healed by his stripes, for ye were as sheep going astray. But now, through Christ, you're returned unto the shepherd and bishops of your soul. Okay, catch what's being said here, church, because in the next 10 years, you and I are going to need this. That in essence, what Peter is doing in 1 Peter 2.24 is he is saying, look at Jesus Christ as your example. Believers, be careful about marrying Christian faith to American ideals. Jesus Christ suffered wrongfully. He endured a death he did not deserve. When he was spat upon, he did not come back. When he was mocked, he said nothing. Ridiculed, nothing. Nailed to a cross, no fighting back. Christ endured all of that. Why? Why did he do it, church? We learned it last night. Why? It was so that he might bring us to God in the day of visitation, when God convinced us of our need of his son and the forgiveness and the righteousness that we could not get by our own works, when God visited us, it was because of what Christ endured wrongfully that we get to go to him. It is through Christ's death, wrongful death, wrongful mockery, nothing, nothing just about this. And yet Christ endured it patiently. All for the purpose of bringing us to God. So then how can we do less? How can we think that it is more important? And hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. How can we think that it is more important for me to beat my chest as an American and stand up in defiance of wrongful treatment. And it is a foolish, of foolish ordinances, and they are of men and women whose hearts are wicked and they're leading the United States of America as fast as they can into a hellhole of sin. But for my concern to be about my rights as an American without first considering, okay, I want nothing 
in my life to be a hindrance to people when God visits them. I want nothing in my life to be a hindrance to them being able to come to God. And if that means that as God's free men, I suffer wrongfully, then I'm in good company. L let me ask you a question. How many of you are old enough, how many of you are old enough to remember the Soviet Union? Were there believers in the Soviet Union? When the churches were persecuted? Did they suffer wrongfully? Think. What was their battle cry? What was, what was their, what was the believers in Russia? What was their motivation? Why did they get up in the morning? What was their mindset? Was it let Russia have the freedoms like America has? Or was it there are people around us who need to get to God? Okay. And let me state the obvious. We live in the United States of America where we have the privilege to vote our conscience and you ought to. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that you don't stand up for what you believe in or for what is right. But there is a big difference between and an honest conversation where the whole time I'm having it, I'm thinking, okay, if God ever visits this person, my conversation is not going to be the reason why he doesn't come to Christ. We have our rights. But actually, we live above the rights. I mean, we're free. But our master, our savior, bear in his body, wrongfully, our sins. All so we can be returned under the, sh the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Okay, you who have lived longer than 35 years, can you, can you, do you have enough vision that you can see all things being equal, what's going to happen in the next 15 or 20 years? O outside of God acting on our on United States behalf and there, there being a massive turnaround, it will not be long before there will be wrongful treatment. And we have spackling of it, but not, not, not like Christ. We've not yet resisted unto blood. But if we don't know ahead of time, 2020 caught us off guard. What do we do? Ah. And certainly, there are a lot of things to navigate. But the principle of the scripture is clear. 
that there is something more important than my individual rights. And that is the freedom and the convincement, the convincing of people knowing that they need Jesus Christ for their righteousness so they can be forgiven from sins and brought back to the shepherd and bishop of their souls. So may God help us, may God help us to be settled, to be strong, to stand firm in the truth, in our faith, believing, knowing what is most important, holding value, standing for right. And there may come a day, yeah, yeah, there's going to come a day when, when we will have, there will, there'll come a day when we will have to go against what the government says because we have to obey God rather than men. But the spirit and attitude makes all the difference in the world on making sure that that's not what causes people not to be able to come to Christ. So, how about it, believers? Are you willing, are you ready to suffer wrongfully if necessary so that your life does not become the stumbling block of why somebody cannot come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Flip side, are you living your life purposefully in such a way so as to draw people to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? May God help us to think right and live right. Father, I pray that the truth of what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2, again, would be driven into our hearts and minds. And I know um, you know this, Father, that it may bring questions into some people's minds about certain scenarios and situations about what, what we ought to do. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have this truth, this baseline, that like Christ, that there is something more important than our rights that we live our lives for and that we fight for. Help our attitudes and our spirit, our submission to be to a degree that nobody can point to us, nobody can point at us and say, well, I don't want to come to God because of the people of First Baptist Church, Orlando Lakes. But may, they, may others, in the day of visitation, when you convince them of their need, may they see the people of this church and say, wow, if I could have a spirit and attitude like that in the midst of trial. Huh. So, Lord... Work this work in us, please. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I recognize that tonight's message is a little different in content in the sense that it's more of a mindset than a um, let me make a decision about what I'm going to do when I walk out of the building. But I think it's an important for, one for us to think through. And it may involve, for some of you, um, up to this point, your, your point of contention with others has been on the level of your rights instead of on the level of God's coming to visit and helping other people to come to Christ. So let me just ask, how many tonight would say by an upraised hand, but the Tim, tonight from 1 Peter 2, I see the absolute necessity of thinking correctly, of being established in the fact that my rights as an American are not as important as not allowing or being a stumbling block, not being a stumbling block,
to other people coming to faith in Christ, to being brought to God. I see this importance, and I need God to do some renovating in me regarding thinking correctly and making decisions. How I speak, the spirit I have, the things that I say, being careful about my words regarding those who are in authority, all of these things, all of these things, God has dealt in my heart, and there, I need God to do some renovation in the spirit of my mind regarding this. If that's true for you tonight, would you slip up your hand and let me pray with you about it? And say, yeah, I, I do. Okay. All right. Well, that's, a, that's a lot of us. Father, you've seen the hands and you know the hearts of the people that raised them. They're your children. They're about to come to you and to ask you to renovate, to change the way that they think. Um, to do a work, would you please let this truth by your spirit be driven into them? And then, Holy Spirit, when, when they're faced with the temptation to respond to protect rights first, help them to remember their Savior on the cross, suffering wrongfully, so that, Lord Jesus, you might bring us to the Father. Let, let, let us have that mind in us, please, my Lord. Hear their prayer when they come to you. And just before Brittany plays um, the piano and I give you an opportunity just to talk to the Lord about doing that renovation work, let me ask one other question. Tonight I've spoken mostly to those who have already put their faith in Christ and I've encouraged us who are believers to make certain we're not the ones stopping other people from coming to God. The reason why that is, friends, is because God is the one who can save you from sin because of what Christ did on the cross. And the Lord Jesus did suffer wrongfully so that you might be able to be a child of God. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I wonder tonight if there's somebody who would say by an upraised hand, Tim, I've not yet put my faith in Christ. I don't know for certain that I am at peace with God, that my sins are forgiven, but I would like to know that or I have questions about it. And you'd say, by an upraised hand, would you pray for me? Anyone like that, that I can pray for you? I don't know for certain that I do have my sins forgiven, but I would like to or I have questions about it. Anyone like that at all? I'll pray for you. I won't call you out or mention you by name, but I will pray for you. Okay, would you look up this way then? Hey, again, I thank you for your kind attention. Um, Again, I think it's going to be important that we take a minute and just nail it down. There were enough people in response, more than what I expected, not, not that I would even know. This is God's work, not mine. But there were more in response, which just let me know that the Lord needed for us, wanted for us to be able to get this in our hearts and minds, and um, that a lot more of you are made a, a, a lot more like me than, um, than what I would have thought. I thought you were nicer than I was. <laughs> But we need God. And we need the spirit and heart of Jesus Christ. So that when the day comes when we do resist unto blood, that is that we yield to that for the purpose of this, that our decision has been made. So let's nail it down before our Lord. Father, hear our prayers, please. In Christ's name I ask. 
with heads bowed and eyes closed as Brittany plays. May I invite you, to, if you're physically able, you're welcome to come to the front or you can turn and kneel where you are. But take a moment and let's deal with God. Let's talk to the Lord about this.